he's here. Joseph and Leah shared contact details with CKOT Radio. Should we call? Definitely. That's loud for me. Yeah. Switch. Oh yeah, that definitely maxed out. Hello? Hello. I'm Sam. Hello. I'm Joseph. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, Joseph. David's I'm, also here. Yeah, I'm David. I'm the other Hi, di- other disembodied voice you'll be hearing. Right. What would be the best way to introduce you? What who you are, what you do, what you like? Yeah. So um I'm a London based musician and, and writer. Um, I was formerly ed- deputy editor of Jewish Quarterly, which is a, a, a London Jewish literary magazine, and I was a founder of Judas. Oh, great. Over the last few months, we have been reading accounts of anti-Semitism in the United Kingdom. We are a Montreal-based podcast, mostly deal with news coming out of North America, and it's kind of hard to decipher what's what exactly is taking place. So, Joseph, can you talk a bit about the context that a lot of these accusations are coming from? Okay. It's quite a big question. I will try and jump in. The first thing I want to just say and give your listeners an idea is it's very comfortable to be Jewish in Britain. You shouldn't get the idea that we're under some kind of pogrom or everything's terrible. It's, it's really it's really pretty good. And there's a flourishing Jewish community of about 300,000 Jews I personally rarely encounter anti-Semitism on a personal basis. It's always existed in British society. It's never been totally absent. Traditionally, I've always seen it more in the Conservative Party, which is from the right wing of British politics, like the Republicans, not as extreme as the Republicans, probably. But the recent scandal has come out of the Labour Party, which is on the left of British politics, a more left-wing version of the Democrats, shall we say. So the big context that uh, is helpful to know is that um, less than a year ago, the Labour Party elected Jeremy Corbyn as its leader, who is the most le- uh, left-wing leader they've had in a very long time. Somewhat like Bernie Sanders in the US, but a bit more left-wing. There is no doubt, I think almost everyone accepts, the reason this has come out now is because people are trying to attack Corbyn. That's not to say these accusations aren't real, they are. The reason it's come out now is because certain right-wing blogs have brought them up evidence from several years ago, for example, to try and and bring down Corbyn. It's not sort of old-fashioned anti-Semitism, as you might understand it, which is incredibly blatant. It's all a debate about what language should you use when discussing Israel-Palestine, and at what point does that cease to be legitimate political discourse, and is seen to become some sort of use of anti-Semitic tropes, or just anti-Semitic in general. And that is basically where we're at, and it's actually quite difficult. Well, can you can you give us some examples about where the fault lines are around what language falls in and outside of anti-Semitism there? Because I, I, I know reading uh, the little that I have from North America about what's going on, it was a bit difficult to parse out what was an engineered attack from the right calling any sort of criticism of Israel anti-Semitism, which we're very used to here, and what was actually something coming out of an anti-Semitism inherent in British society. I don't think there are that many people who are actually sort of old school anti-Semitic, consciously anti-Semitic, and that's informing their discourse. I think it's more people who are being a bit um, unaware of the history of anti-Semitism and uh, falling into those traps. Let me put it this way. I think we have two extreme groups. On the on the right, if you like, or in the Jewish community, you've got those that, that think pretty much any serious, meaningful criticism of Israel is probably anti-Semitism. 
certainly criticism of Israel as a Jewish state, any call for a binational state, for example, or anything that leads to wars. And on the other hand, on the other side, you've got people on the radical left who think they can sort of say anything about Israel and it can never be anti-Semitic, kind of whatever rhetoric they use. And I think both of those positions are quite flawed. And in the middle, you've got people who sort of broadly recognise that there's a distinction and that one, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are separate things, but the language can slip from one into the other, that you have to take some care about how you talk about Israel-Palestine. So one of the examples around the student leader is talk of, I think she said, Zionist-led media. So many in the Jewish community, including myself, said that this was very unwise use of language because it seems to connect to the old stereotype, the myth of Jews running the media in a conspiratorial way. And the most recent one, the former mayor of London, in a seemingly irrelevant way, brought up the idea that in the early years of the Nazi regime, they had similar aims to the Zionists of getting Jews out of Germany to Palestine. And this caused a very sort of heart-wrenching debate about is this acceptable to make comparisons in any way between Zionism and Nazism, or is this just absolutely anti-Semitic? And that's quite a fraught and difficult debate, I think. Just being there and seeing this unfold, are, are there circumstances that have been uncovered by this right-wing attack on Corbyn's leadership that you feel are uncovering legitimate anti-Semitism that harkens back to this, what you were referring to as an old-style British anti-Semitism? Not much of it. Um, there was a couple of very sort of low, low-level members that, that just said some outright anti-Semitic stuff about conspiracy and controlling the world. Not much of that, but I, I, it does exist. And I think parties have been generally pretty good at dealing with that. It tends to be people who have strong criticism of Israel or Zionism and kind of unwittingly fall into those tropes. And sometimes maybe they come together just in the sense that sometimes people have such a strong criticism of Israel and such a, a lack of criticism of, of, of other countries, people in the Jewish community start to say, well, that criticism must be coming from a place of anti-Semitism un- underlying. I don't really buy that. I just think my take is that you have to be careful and you have to recognise that anti-Semitism is a thing and has historically existed, so you have responsibility to be careful in your language so not to fall into any tropes by accident. Just like with all, all racism, there is a history of racism and you, you can't just talk as if that doesn't exist. But I don't think on the left there's a great deal of conscious anti-Semitism, hatred of Jews as Jews. I haven't encountered very much of that. One, one thing that comes up when we talk about anti-Semitism in North America is that once we move beyond or once we recognize that anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are not interchangeable, we're left with a question of what anti-Semitism looks like in terms of European-descended Jews' racialization towards whiteness in North America. And I'm sure that the context is a little different in the UK and then the histories of anti-Semitism there are somewhat different. But I'm curious if you or in your work with Judas have tried to grapple with that question of anti-Semitism beyond anti-Zionism. Yeah, there's a certain essentializing of anti-Semitism that goes on, isn't there, I think, which suggests that sort of anti-Semitism, anti-Semites are kind of always the same through history. And that's almost like doing to the anti-Semite what the anti-Semite does to the Jew, 
it essentializes something diverse and diffuse. Different Jews from different ethnic backgrounds have historically had hugely different experiences of anti-Semitism, and I think one can't talk about one Jewish community in the, in the world as if there aren't huge differences. Um, one important point to make is in Britain, and I think wherever Jews have come from, in Britain they become part of the British Jewish community, there is a history of the far right in this country, and in the 1970s they were sort of somewhat strong and fought off, but they're always attempting to come back, and we've tried to pay attention to that and strongly demonstrate against that. And in the rest of continental Europe, the far right is not an insignificant threat. Somewhere like Hungary, the sort of like extremely really racist anti-Semitic parties have power, that's something that we're probably much more concerned about than anti on the left, which is a problem, but seems to be more people who let Palestine spill over into the rest of their discourse, whereas there are actually people who really just hate Jews out there. Not, they're not very strong in Europe, in, in Britain, but in, in continental Europe, they do exist. I mean, Marine Le Pen is the um, leader of the Front National in France, who have around 20, 25% of the vote. They're no longer that anti-Semitic, but I don't think anyone doubts that that's their history and they are a neo-fascist party. So that is, I think, maybe a context that you don't exactly have in the States and in Canada. Yeah. Could you actually expand on that a little bit in terms of how Judas and groups you've been involved with have dealt with far-right European anti-Semitism? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, there are small groups that have tried to help hold rallies in Jewish areas. So originally in Stamford Hill in London and then in Golders Green. And we've sort of led protests against that and trying to get people to take, take notice, even though it's sort of small, small groups. The, it's the kind of anti-fascist politics says, don't wait for it to become any bigger, like hit it hard when it's small. So we've been quite active in that. And there's a famous memory in British Jewish community of what's called the Battle of Cable Street, which was in 1937 when a significant fascist party, British Union of Fascists, led by Oswald Mosley, attempted to march through the largely Jewish East End at the time. And Jews and other minorities, like particularly Irish people, mobilised to stop him. So that's a kind of uh, important folk memory in British Jewry. So we've sort of tried to remind people of that. Um, and we've also demonstrated against the far right in Dover, in, on the coast, when they're not particularly focusing on Jews, but they're talking about minorities. So we do try and revive that broad tradition of Jews defending other minorities, and particularly immigrant groups. The most significant racism in Britain is targeted against immigrants, um, a strong anti-immigrant current. We have a, a party called UKIP. Its main position is anti-the European Union, but it also has a pretty xenophobic view of immigration. And we also have racism towards Muslims, and in the current battle for the mayor of London, the Conservative Party, the right-wing party, has actually been sort of effectively slurring the Labour Party candidate by trying to use words like extremism to remind voters that he's Muslim. So there are lots of uncomfortable things going on, and... Judas tries to deal with more than one at once. Anti-Semitism on the left and the right, anti-immigrant rhetoric and anti-Muslim rhetoric. There's a lot to deal with. I mean, given the continuing persistent, very real anti-Semitism that is coming from elements on the right that are much more significantly targeting migrant communities and Muslim communities there, has there been a similar interest by Jewish media there about talking about that version of anti-Semitism? 
Well, interestingly, when the fir- it first happened, it was in Stanford Hill, which is an ultra-Orthodox area, which is not where the powerful people in the Jewish community live so much. And there wasn't any media attention there. It was only Judas, really, that dealt with it. But when it came to Golders Green, which is the kind of the centre point or a centre point of much of the Jewish community in London, then by that point, the alarm that we'd initially raised got taken up and lots of people came out. In the end, there was so much pressure that the government banned the rally from taking place in Golders Green and then moved it to central London where it was much less important and caused caused much less damage. So yes, that has been taken up. But I, I have to say, I think we, or Judas, have, have led that. I mean, just kind of wrapping up, I'm curious if you think the way that this media discussion is unfolding is representative of the institutional Jewish community in Britain being aligned with the Conservative Party in their attacks, or whether you think that it's coming from a place of genuine fear and interest in anti-Semitism in general. Well, I think it's both. But I think it's important to remember the edge of the Jewish Chronicle, the main Jewish newspaper, is undoubtedly a conservative and has written for very right-wing papers before this. The head of the Board of the Deputies, which is the major Jewish representative body, is a conservative. And even those who are not conservatives are from the right wing of Labour. So that is no doubt playing a factor. However, I don't want to overstate that, and there are plenty in the Jewish community who have concerns and are raising those concerns that are genuine. And I think we should listen to them, but I do think much of those concerns are to do with the fact that Zionism is hegemonic in the Jewish community. And for many Jews, their Zionism, their Jewish identity are completely intertwined. So when Zionism comes under attack, they feel under attack as Jews and so are more inclined to call that anti-Semitism. I understand why they do that, but I, I think it's a mistake. And I think we need to make sure we keep that ideological separation simply because racism is a clear thing. And once we start saying that critique of political ideology is a form of racism, then I think words start to lose their meaning. And I think genuine anti-racist campaigners will start to lose faith with how they can be non-racist anymore if it seems like you have to endorse the actions of the state far, far away in order to be a non-racist and be not anti-Semitic. So I think one other factor that I'd like to mention is that paradoxically, the fact that the Jewish community is raising lots of complaints now is a sign of how confident the Jewish community is and how settled it is in Britain, that 50 years ago, the Jewish community was much more quiet and, and kept its head down and didn't want to raise complaints. And you can see that in the Jewish press. And now the Jewish community is very settled, very confident. It's been through a process of change and has full Jewish life in Britain. And I think that's why incidents are being raised and complaints are being made. Actually, it's a sign of how good it is here for Jews that we're saying even things which aren't terrible that there are problems. So I actually think we should celebrate that, which is a a strange way of looking at things, but I think it's true. Do you get any of this stuff in in Canada? Is is there kind of a lot about accusations of anti-Semitism coming against us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was funny because reading about what was happening in the UK, it was difficult not to project the Canadian context onto it and assume that it was playing out in the same way. I mean, it is based on what you're saying, it is very similar. Um, But I think both of us didn't want to come to those conclusions without talking to people who are actually there. Sure. I don't have all the answers. I mean, Mm -hmm. I probably used to be a bit more gung-ho about saying things weren't anti-Semitic. I'm probably a bit more careful now. I'm not sure I've rechanged my mind, but just the the way the discourse is working, I'm just being a bit more... The, the, The guy who mayor of London, he just kind of like 
just just doesn't care. She says anything. Who? I think, like, it's a little bit much. Who's the mayor of London? Former, Ken Livingston. Ah, that fellow. He's the one that got... It was just like, he was just ranting. It was all... Yeah. He he said something to the effect of, like, you, you mentioned this, but there was some kind of relationship between the goals of the Nazi party and yeah. Yeah. Zionists. I mean, well, like, he's got the grain of a point historically, but he yeah, said it exactly, in a clumsy way. Exactly. Me and David were talking about this yesterday. There, you can talk about it in context if you are giving a lecture for two hours and, like, are able to, like, give people books and have discussions after. But saying it as a soundbite without that context is, is the dangerous part. Yeah, just... Literally, no one asked him about it. He was talking about <laughs> so, someone else who accused anti-Semitism. He brought it up. So, so, I don't think he's a racist, but he's a bit of a loose cannon. Definitely. All right, thanks. Thanks again for taking the time. This was really great. No, it was, it was really fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks for staying up to talk to us. All right, no problems. Bye. Ciao. Have a great night. Just because it's here and I'm asking you UK Jewish questions. Yeah. The photo of the queen with the Heil, can you give us uh, some context? Is there any where she was like a child and she was Heil Hitlering? Oh, yeah, that's hilarious, wasn't it? The British aristocracy and the royal family were massively supportive of fascism in the 20s and 30s. The aristocracy were pretty anti-Semitic back, back, back then. I'm not saying the Queen was, but um, she was a kid. I mean, she was just playing a game, probably.